0: Acts chapter 2 is where uh, a lot of believers will be studying this morning, and as is no surprise to you, we're going to take our sweet time and get in there, Um, because in order to understand what happens in Acts 2, we really have to understand some things about the Holy Spirit in general. And so this is week two of a four-week series on the Spirit, um, established last week, uh, hopefully, that the Holy Spirit is God, 100% God. As much God as God the Father and God the Son, they're equal, they are distinct, uh, but the holy Spirit uh, the 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 primary role of the Holy Spirit is to manifest the presence of God among his creation. now, even though the Spirit has always existed, um, this day of Pentecost tends to be where the like a lot of uh, emphasis comes as far as the like advent of the Holy Spirit. And uh, rightfully so. I mean, Pentecost was a big deal. And um, it was a, a festival where 50 days after Passover, that's where the Penta part comes from, 50 days after Passover, a uh, big festival, Jews from all over the region and all over the world would travel and come into Jerusalem. And the point was to worship God and to thank him because, uh, at this point, the harvest would have come in. And so they're thanking him for his provision and his goodness. And so, uh, they're all gathered there in Jerusalem. And much like the incarnation of, of Jesus that we celebrate Christmas Eve, uh, this marks a big shift in the biblical story. But to understand that shift, we have to really go back a ways. And so let me, let me kind of bring to the table, A couple of things that it's good for us to keep in mind about the Holy Spirit's activity in the Old Testament. Um, For the most part, the Old Testament tends to be God the Father pushed to the front of the story. And then you get to the Gospels and God the Son, Jesus, pushed to the front of the story. And then at this point in Acts, then it's like the Holy Spirit is pushed to the front. Of the story and so you get your revelation in Jesus again that, that kind of thing so uh, in the Old Testament though the Holy Spirit incredibly active incredibly active and really if, if there are, are kind of three three categories to maybe think of the activity of the Spirit in in the Old Testament um, the first one is that uh, the spirit is at times manifesting, the invisible presence of God among uh, his creation, right? So the presence of God is this, this unseeable, like energizing like creator God that's there. And there are times when the Spirit would take that invisible part of it and make it tangible. Not necessarily visible, but tangible, okay? Let me, let me sprint through some examples. Um, one would be times where wind is what he would use to manifest. So we looked last week, like in Genesis 1, verse 2, it says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Hovering is a, that's like a a wind, it's in the wind category. Um, In Genesis 2, when uh, he created Adam, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature the 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 breathing of life into adam ezekiel thirty seven uh, you should go home and read this today because it's an awesome story about a big valley of bones uh coming to life, and so if that's like your kind of thing, go read it but uh the bones uh they they like they begin to construct themselves into bodies, but there's no life to them and then this happens. Uh, spoiler, uh, it says, I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And so when the, when the Holy Spirit is taking the unseen presence of God and making it manifest somehow in a tangible way, wind is one of the things that God uses and you might be thinking, well, you don't really see wind. Well, I didn't say that you had to see it. You can, you can feel the wind. You can sense the wind. You can see the effects of the wind. And so wind is one of the things that we see God using to do that. Another one is fire. Um, like in Exodus 2, when uh, Moses and the burning bush, right, it says, uh, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet was not consumed. That's one of the one of the most famous Old Testament Bible stories, and fire is what the Spirit uses to manifest the presence of God. Um, in Exodus thirteen, as the children of Israel are as they are moving and pil- like on that pilgrimage together into like toward the Promised Land, fire is a, a pillar of fire is what God uses. Um, it says in Exodus thirteen. The Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them in the way, and a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. So sometimes wind, sometimes fire. We also see in that same passage, sometimes there's a cloud, right? Um, He would use a cloud to guide them. Um, Here's another cloud example. When it was time to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the temple... Um, and to and to dedicate the the temple, everything is ready. They've worked to build it, and it's time to basically bring God like in into the room. The Ark of the Covenant is where where God dwelled, and this is what happens when they go to bring Him in the room. It says it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Okay, so basically. They're, it's like they're doing what we've been doing. They're, they're singing, and it's time to like, let's sing as the ark comes into the room. It says, when the song was raised, the trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments, and praise to the Lord, and this is what they were singing, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Here's what happened. The house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the lord filled the house of god they go to bring the ark in and the presence of god was manifested in this cloud that was so intense that they they couldn't even stand up to do what they were there to do like the worship leaders just had to stop because the of the thickness of the presence of God in this room. So, in the Old Testament, we see God at times, through the Holy Spirit, making he makes the presence of God tangible. Wind, fire, clouds. Okay, Remember those. Um, the second kind of category that we see is we see the Spirit empowering people for very special tasks. Um, here's a few examples in Genesis 41, Joseph is able to interpret the dream that Pharaoh had because the spirit having the mind of God gave him the insight to be able to interpret that dream. We see that with Daniel as well. Same, same kind of thing. And so in those moments when the mind of God is needed, the spirit makes that manifest inside of a person. Um, there's another example that, uh, That I'm not super familiar with, and studied a little bit about it, but I want to look into this dude a little more. Um, In Exodus 31, there's someone named Bezalel, who is a craftsman. Bezalel made, like, designed and made the tabernacle, which I'll talk more about that in a minute. The structure, the the tapestries, the artistry. uh, Bezalel was a creative. Bezalel was like a builder. Um the Spirit showed him how to do this thing the 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 creativity and the the brilliance of this room, what this room needed to be in order to be the like mobile house of the Lord. Bezalel was empowered by the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. Um, we see the spirit empowering prophets who would be able to stand up and 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 offer a word from the Lord. Uh, in certain times we see we see leaders of Israel being empowered by the Spirit in certain ways. so the second category is that the Spirit manifests uh, the presence of God by empowering specific people for specific tasks um, in, in order to like bring about the presence of God among his people. The third thing is that the spirit manifests god 's presence in the tabernacle and in the temple. Okay, the tabernacle was a. It was it was mobile. Okay, it was a it was a tent, but not the way that we're thinking about a tent. It was a fancy tent, and it was big and uh, structurally very sound and uh, ornate. And it was so that as the people of Israel would pilgrimage along, they could take this with them, so that God's presence among them would 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 go as they went um, the temple in Jerusalem is obviously a stable thing that they would go to the tabernacle would travel with them as the nation was developing and as the storyline was was developing and so the tabernacle served the same purpose as the temple, which is to be a place where heaven and earth overlap one another for the good of not only the people of Israel, but for the good of the nations as well. And so, these were not just ordinary like buildings; these were very special buildings where the presence of God would be manifest, uh, and and that is is where God was with His people in very tangible, real ways. So. Thinking, thinking in, those, in those categories for just a second. In the Old Testament, generally speaking, the Spirit manifests the presence of God by making that presence tangible. Wind, fire, cloud. Okay, And through the empowerment of specific people for specific tasks, and in the temple and tabernacle. Okay? Those were the three things. Those were the ways that the Jewish community was used to God making himself known among them. Wind, fire, cloud. Specific people. You go to the tabernacle, or then when the temple was built, you go to the temple. That... Was, is the context into which Jesus is born and grew up and ministered and died and was resurrected and, and appeared for 47 days and then ascended and told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and to wait. And so when we get to the day of Pentecost... All of this was just, these were normal parts of being Jewish in the early first century. All of the things that I just like tried to cram into like 10 minutes, right? So, with that in mind, let's read what happens there in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of, as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, let's, let's stop right there. There's more to the story, but we're gonna, we, it's too much for today now i grew up around church a lot of you grew up around church read that story and to me it's always super weird right like it just sounds like this bizarre turn of events but let let me read it again let me add some commentary in let's try to experience it though like a first century like jewish person would um Especially a first-century Jewish person who had like walked with Jesus a little bit, and was whose entire world had just been turned upside down. So, verse one: When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Okay, now this this where they were was probably the upper room where Jesus had that Passover meal with his disciples, where the Last Supper happened. Okay. So they're back in this room for the first time since then okay the eleven the eleven who were who remained um plus there were another uh, hundred and nine uh, or so who were also followers of jesus who um were a part of the instruction of to go and to wait and so they're probably crammed in a room, but they're in a room, but a room that was not just any old any old room okay verse two. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. Okay, now what do we know about wind? God shows up in wind, right? Like that's, that's familiar to them. We know the stories of wind. It says it filled the entire house where they were sitting. What did, what did the cloud do? When it entered into the temple, when the ark came in, it filled, it filled it, right? So we already have two familiar references to the history of God showing up in their midst. Wind, filling a room, verse 3, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. What do we know about fire? God's in the fire, Right? That's three. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. Okay. Now they're used to they're used to fire being like a Moses thing or like a Israel thing, but like this is really specific. The spirit visits individuals, but now there's 120 people and there's like fire like on, over, over each of them. This is a little bit different. But it's still fire. And, and the fire still go into individual, specific people. Verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God filled the room in the Old Testament. The, Spirit of, the wind of God filled the room at this point. But what happens at, at this point? Now, now what's getting filled? The people Fill the room, now fill the people, with the Holy Spirit. And it says, they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit helped Joseph interpret a dream, Daniel interpret a dream, Bezalel build the tabernacle, the prophets be able to offer the, the words of the Lord, Um, Here, the Spirit is giving them the power to praise the Lord in another language that they didn't grow up learning, that they didn't know. We read that through Western 2021 eyes, and we're like, man, that must have been weird. But to them, God is checking all the boxes, isn't he? He's bringing the tangible manifestations through wind and through fire. He's bringing back that filling of the room, but now the filling is not just of the room, it's of the people. He's he's bringing back the empowerment of specific people for specific tasks, but instead of it just being this guy and this guy and this guy and this guy, now it's all, it's all of them, all the men, all the women. Whoever's in that room, it's happening to all of them. It almost feels like the one thing that's missing is... The building part of it, you know, that this upper room is now like, should be like a sacred space, right? That you can go see on a tour or something now. But Jesus has already told him, hey, it's not going to be a building thing anymore. Remember when he kept telling them, don't get obsessed with this temple. It's all, it's all coming down. Because it's not a building anymore. Paul, it tries, he tries to communicate this in 1 Corinthians 6. And although he's trying to make another point altogether, he tells them, Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? You, you are the container now. You are the building now. All of those categories are met in this day of Pentecost. The Spirit makes the presence of God manifest, empowering specific people. It just happens to be that everyone is in that category of specific people because there's now no longer a tabernacle and no longer will there be a temple. Now it's the sons and the daughters of God. This is why everything has shifted at this point in the story. Like the biblical story. This changes the game the way that the incarnation of Jesus changed the game. This is like another Christmas Eve kind of moment. It's massive. And there are some out there who would say... Yeah, that not everybody got filled though. Not everybody gets filled today. And there is a thread of belief and teaching and stuff like that that when you come to know Christ, you have to have a second experience of some sort. Where where it's like you yeah, you become a Christian and then at some other point down the road, then you get filled. You get a second blessing, you get Baptized in the Spirit, as if it's like stage one and then stage two, if, if you're spiritual enough, if you're good enough. And I will talk in greater detail about that in week four. So if this is intriguing you, uh, come back. Um, let me just say that there is no scriptural basis for a second experience. The scriptures are clear that when, when you come to that point and you realize that Jesus is your Savior, and you come to the end of yourself, and you look at him, and you say, "You, you're it, man." When you cross from death into life, the Spirit fills you like the Spirit filled that temple in Second Chronicles five. And you may say, "Well, I don't really feel full." Well, friend, that's another sermon. The issue in that case is not because God hasn't done it, you know, and there's room for that. But today it's about the fact that God has done it, that God has filled you and that you sit in this room. If you are a if you are in Christ, you are full of the spirit. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. So this is a new era. This is a new and different kind of thing. Do you realize how dangerously awesome this room is because of what we're talking about here? Like th- This happened to them on that day, and persecution breaks out, and they begin to like scatter out and take the gospel back home, and this continues to happen. This infilling continues to happen. This salvation continues to happen. Um, all these new temples keep popping up. You and I are the overlap between heaven and earth for the sake of the nations. And it, it just keeps happening and happening and happening and happening. So when you and I come into a room like this, this is a powerful room. You know, like, do you realize what this says about you? Yeah. I know the feeling. <laughs> but don't you want to though? Like don't you, like And there are a part of you that just wants to be like, yes, I absolutely know what this means. But that's what we're learning, right? That's what, that's what we're learning. We're learning that this, this says something. This says that as you, like whatever you are going through right now, you know that you can do it. Not in like a like live your best life now kind of way. I'm talking about like when you look at your life and you're like, man, I really want, I want my life to morph into this kind of godliness. That's why Paul says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Because he gets it. Because the Spirit of God has filled you. So yes, you can, yes, you can study the scriptures more deeply. Yes, you can pray faithfully. Yes, you can walk in certain spiritual disciplines. Yes, you can forgive that person that hurt you. Yes, you can heal from this super deep wound. Yes, you can walk in freedom from this addiction. Yes, to anything else that I could say as I just keep going and making up things off the top of my head, anything that I could come up with, the answer is yes, not because you're awesome, but because you have been filled because you're a walking talking breathing living overlap of heaven and earth and not just for you but for others as well this this is this is incredible but certainly there's a part of us that's like then why does my life look like it does you know as i said earlier earlier there's room for that discussion but let's just make it clear that a part of today is so that we know it isn't because God's holding out. It's not because he's holding out. He has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. And this is a part of it. I think this is a part of why Jesus was like, I really need to go. Because it's about to get so good. Make no mistake, a lot of these people were killed. Okay? Not saying that he's. this is guaranteeing an easy stress free life he's like no, it just means that whatever happens you can you 're going to be fine because of whose you are and so we have to ask that question right like why why don't like if this is true then why don 't I feel powerful you know like why don 't why doesn't my life look more miraculous, or just like you, like I want it to look? Why, why does it look this way? And you know, that's a that's that's a hard question, and probably obviously case by case. But I was reminded of this story that I think for me helps helps remind me of maybe. Um, okay, so the first time I went out of went overseas on a mission trip. I was in Sri Lanka, which is like this little like Hawaii type island off the like the bottom tip of of uh, India, and we were there for like 13 days, and there was like a Sunday in the middle, and on that Sunday they they took the team and they split us all up and they sent us to house churches, and we um, we travel through the jungle uh, in this jeep. And we get to the house church, and all the furniture is outside, uh, except, except for chairs, but like all the tables and stuff like that are, are all outside. The living room is packed with people. And I asked the driver, I said, Are we late? And he said, No, 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 we, we won't start for probably another hour. And I was like, Okay. Uh, so why, you know, why are all the people here? And about that time, I remember noticing that they're all like, there's like a murmur as if they're kind of like whisper talking to one another. But they're not whisper talking to each other. They're whisper talking to the Lord. So let's say that there's 35 or 40 adults packed into this living room, all praying out loud in this like beautiful kind of murmuring kind of way. And I asked the I asked the pastor, I said, What are why are they said, is this like a prayer meeting that happens before the service? He said, No, they just they get up in the morning and they he said they travel from all over. Um so a lot of them are uh they're the only Christian in their family, um, so they've been kicked out of the of their family. Some of them only Christian in their like village, and so they've been kicked out of their village. And so a lot of them have been traveling for two or three hours this morning by foot to get here. Um, but they come early because they want to prepare their hearts. Because they want God to speak to them and to move. And so they love to come early and just sit and pray and get ready for worship and teaching. And I was like, okay, that's um, That's new. Um. So we so for an hour we go. I remember like they sat us in the front row. I'm like, I don't. I had to pray for an hour. Like I remember just feeling like the biggest like loser of a Christian because I'm surrounded by these Christians who are praying. I'm like, I don't like an hour. You know, it's all part of the lesson, of course. So it's time to start the music. The worship leader, uh, his name is Gito. And Jito stands up, and they start singing, and they sang the song "Days of Elijah." You guys remember that song? They—I never heard it before. First of all, so I was a mess because they stood and they sang at the top of their lungs for probably an hour. Uh, different songs in and out of different different languages, different things, but just declaring. The praises of God at the top of their lungs. It was such a challenge. And then they're like, "Okay, Pastor, come bring the word." I'm like, "What am I? What do I have to say to you?" And the the pastor had told me beforehand. He said, "Just make sure at the end that you offer to pray with anyone. That you make your team available to pray with anyone who wants to be prayed for." So I get up there and fumble through some bible stuff i 'm just so broken in the in the moment by the whole experience, and feel so inadequate and challenged by their faith and um, so you get to the end and i said um, said if anyone would like prayer, our team would love to pray with you. Uh, how about you just stand where you are and we 'll come to you and uh the whole room, everybody, every one of them. And so we're like, whoa! So we spend another hour going person to person, praying, praying with them. After everyone had been prayed for, uh, the pastor takes us, and he, he they have lunch waiting for us in in the kitchen. And so we sit down in the kitchen, and he starts to tell us some more of that backstory about the the persecution and the the suffering of their lives and what a Sunday means to them. And I i remember us like hugging it out and getting in the Jeep and driving back to um, the place where we were staying and no one said a word. And in reflection of that, I mean, this was 20 years ago for me, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I remember thinking, I, I don't know. I remember thinking to myself at that time, I don't know that I've ever been in a room where 100% of the people felt that they were needy. That's what the pastor said. He said, he said they know how needy they are. And my American ears heard money. But what he meant was like needy, like need the spirit to manifest himself, to make himself known. They need the fire and the wind and the cloud. They need the empowerment. They need to walk in the fullness of what it means to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. They're so needy but it was this incredible combination of complete poverty in that way and complete provision. It's like they knew they were poor, they knew they were needy, and they knew the supplier of their need. And they got there early to make sure they got every drop of what he had for them. And they had to, they had to get it all because they were going into the unknown ahead of them. And they were walking away with smiles on their faces, full, you know. And it's not that they got filled up in that worship service. It's like they were reminded that they are full. And that's different, you know. That is different. When you're reminded of who Jesus is and what he has done and what God himself is providing for you as his son, you as his daughter the empowerment for the mission of what it means to be the temple of God for the nations. Um, I've never forgotten that experience. And I'm challenged by it regularly. And then I'm challenged by the fact that I forget it, you know. Sometimes I think it's easy as Americans to just, we're just so comfortable and we're just so, just whatever, that it's like we forget what it means to be desperate for the activity of God in our lives. That's a part of what coming to church should do for us, right? Like, I'm not saying we should get here an hour. I'm not saying we have to like mimic what they're doing. I'm just saying that that heart of like, I've got to hear from God today. Even if I've had the best week of my entire life, I've, I've got to hear from God today. I'm desperate for him to move. And so when we come together, there's something I think that's very important to remember. I meant to say it at the beginning and I forgot, so I'll say it at the end. You can't separate the presence of God from the power of God. It doesn't doesn't happen. Where he is making himself known and he is active, it is the full power of God that is active in our midst. And so not only is he here in the room with us, he's in us, in you. I hope that this is an encouragement to us. It's not that you are empty and need to be filled, it's that we need to be reminded that he has already filled us in this incredible, incredible reality that only a God like our God can provide there's no one like him. Let's stand together. Lord, it's so easy to, um, it's so easy to kind of like feel like this is, um, I don't know, like this is something that is more complicated than it really needs, than it is in reality. Like it is as simple as you bringing the power, like the resurrection power into our lives. Like it's, that's just what it is. We're really good at complicating things and overthinking stuff and overanalyzing it, but... At the end of the day, it's just about you, your priority of being with us to the point where you would send your son to die in order to free us from the bondage that was separating us from you and then filling us with your own power so that we can really live the lives you we were created to live in the first place. It's unbelievable. And yet that is the reality that you hold out to us. And God, I, I repent of the, of the many times when I look at that and then I look at some other offer on the table and I go with the lesser. You know, The times that I fully know what you're holding out and yet I choose my own path. That is not what I want. I bet that's not what any, what any of us want to walk in. And so would you help this to seep down into the deep parts of our hearts and our minds this morning? So thankful that it's not something we've had to try to earn or perform our way into. It's just your grace because it's who you are holding that out to us. And so would you help us to not resist your activity among us, but to relax into it and to welcome it and to embrace it and to join you in it and to fan into flame the things that you have uh, for us. And I pray as we sing and as help us to not worry about what's next, just help us to be in this room with all these other temples of the spirit. Just this incredibly powerful room because your presence is here, which means your power is here, which means that anything can happen.